So, Professor, tell us about Operation Hoyven Maven. Well, we knew perfectly well it was addictive. Candy was just a sugar delivery system. We thought we were God, Hoyven Maven. Frank, you little weasel. I'll kill you! May I remind you we're in open court? I'll kill you, too! I'll kill you all! Mr. Motherloving, that could be interpreted as a threat. I'll kill you while you sleep. Objection! Mm, I'll allow it. Now, Count Fudula, how long were you spokes vampire for Mother Loving's breakfast cereals? Twenty of your mortal years. But I had to quit when my fangs succumbed to gingivitis. Now all my victims have to be mashed up. Aww. Your Honor, I admit it looks bad for me, but I think you might be turned around by some surprising testimony. Sir, this is a house of justice, not a sugar shack. It's Hershey Highwaymen like you who made me fat. Well, Your Honor, the court carries it well. Silence! I rule in favor of Marge Simpson. Yay! Oh, I'm so proud of you. And thanks to Marge Simpson's damning evidence, I hereby ban all sugar products from Springfield forever. Get in the car. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we're here to review episode DABF03. It is Sweets and Sour Marge. I'm Dando. I am Guy. And um, funnily enough, uh, I found this episode to be rather full of empty calories, shall we say. Really? I- okay. Ironically yeah. enough. I thought this was a pretty grounded episode on the whole. I, f- I feel like it's a premise that could have easily slotted into the golden era. Mm. Although... There were times where I sort of felt like it was just retreading old stories. I mean, this one felt very similar to the Beer Baron episode. And there were even little sort of gags throughout the episode. For example, when Mother Loving, is it Mother, Mother, Mother Loving, I believe, yeah, yeah. goes on his tirade in, in the courtroom, I was like, this is just a retread of Freddie Quimby. You know, when he goes, I'll kill you, all of you, especially those of you <laughs> on the jury. And he's like, oh, that didn't go well. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that little clip there, I was like, oh, this feels very sort of similar. I guess maybe that's why I sort of felt like it could have fit in the golden era. But I think this premise still... I've, I mentioned on our review of um, on the Four Finger Disc at Rivers of the Classics, the Home of the Vigilante. I like it when the, the whole town is incorporated into the story, and sure. it is to an extent here. But still, yeah, it just felt like it was it had the the potential to be something, but it didn't quite hit the mark. Yeah, I thought I thought the premise, as you point out, was really quite strong. And I mean, it you know, it's sort of mm. it's lifting. It's central concept for a bunch of sort of legal thrillers or, you know, little guy against the system kind of deals. Like uh, Aaron Brockovich is the, is the main one, of course. And I mean, and, That's and, the big one. And yeah. Aaron B gets name-checked a lot through the episode. Uh, but also things like The Insider, the uh, the Michael Mann movie that's sort of about, uh, you know, a whistleblower going up against big tobacco. Basically any... Any story that has, uh, you know, the average person going against some nefarious... Uh, corporation or conglomerate or whatever so yeah that's a that's you know a really sturdy place to start from and offers you a really strong foundation but uh you know all the way through this i mean you'll find one note sort of stuttered through uh, one word stuttered throughout my notes for this uh, for this episode and that's lazy lazy yeah yeah give yeah. us an example it actually hits the lazy button very very early on i mean i think when they first get to the library you know there's that mm. sort of um 
uh, that to do between uh, Homer and Marge, and she just and he just sort of closes that with, well, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I literally put in my notes. So you couldn't think of a joke, huh? Yeah, or or, <laughs> and, or even uh, I think uh, Mr. Burns has a few of these. Something like uh, <laughs> good times. It's like, yeah, that's kind of the way you end a gag when you don't know how to end a gag or you can't come up with a punchline. Yeah, or even true, yeah, or even um, even when they're on the boat, you know, and Apu is you know rowing and it's Mr. Burns' stroke, oh, the stroke, stroke, yeah. stroke. I'm having a stroke. It's, that's honest to God. That's fucking. You get the big hook and you yank someone off uh, off stage and they bullshit <laughs> like that. That's just. I feel bad for the uh, you know sort of dissing uh, you know the creative staff who are undoubtedly more creative than I'll ever be in my on my best day. But that's some that's that feels like some hack shit to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I was sort of getting at. Where it was just sort of felt like. You know, you could have, with a few more jokes, if you, maybe a bit more time, I don't know, just a bit more density to it, it could have been a really solid episode. Yeah. Um, but nothing about it annoyed me. I just felt like throughout, I just kind of thought, oh, you're just not quite getting into the next gear. You're just sort of treading water here. Right, the gear is exactly right, yeah. I mean, it kind of felt like it was, uh, to quote the Friends theme song, stuck in second gear. I mean, mm. you've even got, you know, a, a mighty talent like Ben Stiller, as your guest star, yeah. and I had I forgotten that he was the guest star in this. But when I know, forgot that he guest starred at all, the Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. when Garth Motherlovin sort of has his has his few appearances, I'm like, have they got some <laughs> non professional to, to be a guest star, like a you know, like not an actor or not a a, com- a comic person, like a sports star or something like because. This ain't great. This is not a good sort of guest performance. And then when it turned out to be Ben Stiller, I was legitimately surprised. Well, to me, I watched this and I went, I saw Ben Stiller was in it. I went, okay, cool. So I was looking forward to it. But then I realized quickly that he was playing my least favorite version of Ben Stiller. Right, yeah. The obnoxious douchebag Ben Stiller. I'm like, no. Because because whenever he does that, it always comes across really forced to me. It does. He yeah. comes across like the complete. Uh, and in real life, he doesn't seem like he's like he feels like he's the opposite of that. So when he's trying to portray that, it's just like uh, no, I can't, I'm just not buying it from you, Mister Stiller. Yeah. Although the only time I will buy it from him is in Happy Gilmore. <laughs> now you will go to sleep, or I will put you to sleep. <laughs> I was about to say, I think that's the that's his sort of apex of um, of being a douchebag. He's pretty good at that one. Yeah, yeah but uh, <laughs> he's very good at that. I wrote here he's trying to be Happy Gilmore. Ben Stiller here, but whether he just wasn't feeling it on the day or, or the, the material of the wasn't, up, wasn't there, yeah. I don't know. But it just didn't feel like he was quite getting to that level. Yeah, he was just being he was being cruel and mean to Marge, and none of it was funny. It was just like, what are you being mean for? Yeah, you know? I can understand if the character is kind of like entitled or yeah. you know views himself as kind of a master of the universe and doesn't have to, or, or has so many people coming in saying sugar is bad, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, 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 heard it all before. F off. Um, yeah. But yeah, this just seemed out of nowhere. I mean, admittedly, we've never seen this character before, so you know, this is probably how they're like on a daily basis. Who knows? But yeah, it just didn't, uh, wasn't great. Not bueno, Ben. Not great, Ben. No. <laughs> At, normally, I will admit that the March episodes, when especially when I was growing up, I'd see if it was a March episode, and they, were, they tended to be my least favourite. Mm. As usually she was complaining about something where I sort of felt, Marge, will you stop complaining about that because you're ruining my fun as well? You know, a classic example of that is the the uh, Marge versus Itchy and Scratchy episode where mm. she wants to get TV violence off TV. As a kid, I'm like, 
Stop being a mum. Like, just let them enjoy their <laughs> cartoons. But at this one here, at least it's somewhat something that I can get behind. Oh, you know, yeah. Trying to make the town healthier. But she, and why it works is that Marge wasn't trying to get sugar banned. No. That was just Judge Snyder being irrational. So that was not really Marge's fault. So when they all, I, I know her starting the class action is what leads to the judge's decision. So it's essentially yeah. her fault, I guess. She That wasn't her goal, her end goal. But what I will say is I did like that we finally got Judge Snyder back. True. Very happy to see <laughs> Judge Made Snyder. it feel very much like old school Simpsons, especially like the courtroom where, you know, Garth goes in the tirade, then Gil, objection. <laughs> like just it felt it felt like he was just uh channeling Lionel Hutz there um in that moment. Indeed. But did you notice Judge Snyder there was off colour? He was like grey. He was a bit, but then I was doing my uh you know, half ass research for this episode and sort of looking at various uh, sites and there were apparently a lot of sort of glitches and off you know, <laughs> there's at least one off colour gag, but also a lot of the characters were kind of off colour as well. Like um and of course, I didn't write any of these down. <laughs> but, <laughs> but hey, folks, you've got an internet. Go look for yourself. But apparently, yeah, it's like, yeah, so and so, you know, like Krusty's nose is like a different color, or oh, okay, yeah, or, or one of the cops is like um, doesn't look the way they normally do, or something along those lines. So, mm-hmm. it could just be a bad day at Simpsons HQ. Who knows? But um, yeah. What I will say I did like animation-wise was the uh, the human ball. What- so that was actually the... Actually, no, the, not the ball, the pyramid. The human pyramid yeah. was... The, the master of that was drawn by our good friend Matt Schofield, the Australian animator. And I uh, messaged him on Facebook this afternoon. I said, hey, can you show me a picture of that uh, of that master drawing of the pyramid? And he's like, it's in my garage somewhere. Get, let me wait. <laughs> wait till the morning. I'll go and get it for you. <laughs> so... so I'll put it up on the Facebook page in the Patreon group and whatnot. Um, Matt Schofield's actual master drawing of that human pyramid, which they based Ooh. everything else off, which is pretty cool. But I just like the, if you know the story behind the human ball, it was animated in a way that had never been done before and has never been done since. Mm. So basically they got someone to, to draw the characters, draw the ball, and they took still shots of it. Um, okay. And sort of, yeah, rather than hand draw the entire ball, it would have been such a, a hard thing for mm. animators to do, draw it in motion. They just took still shots of this one picture and turned it like that and made it move. Oh. Sort of like claymation, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so I thought, I thought it was pretty cool. Was Mark, uh, Mark Kirkland, I believe, took the photos, or they were taken in his garage. So, yeah. <laughs> I, believe I, just, I, I believe I just said garage and garage. Which is the way do you say? Do you say garage or garage? I say in the garage. What do you say? Now I... You put me on the spot, and now I'm going to be very self. Garage. I'm going out to the garage. I'm going out to the garage. I'm going. No, I say garage. Oh man, that's weird. <laughs> garage. Garage. Yeah, I think garage. Garage. Going out to the garage. I don't know. Not garage. <laughs> I don't think garage. Car Not to rhyme with carriage. No, 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 no. Garage. I'd say. But even, but even then, I sound like I'm being a fancy pants. I'm just going out to the garage. Oh, la di da, Mr. Frenchman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just thought the animation on that was pretty cool. It's, um, yeah, and the story behind it made it even better. Absolutely. Hey, my favourite. So what was your favourite moment of the, the little amount of moments that you enjoyed from this episode, Mr. Davis? Well, well look, Dan, you know, I'm, uh, I'm very partial to a bit of wordplay. So, uh, look, I... I liked a few of the uh, the plays on Aaron Aaron Brockovich and particularly Aaron mm-hmm. Choco Snitch. Thought that wasn't bad, and at least they acknowledged like, and eh, that was a group effort, and it probably was in the uh, in the writers' room as well. Yeah. Um, I also liked Tastemony. I thought, yeah, Tastemony is the kind of lame ass pun that I'd come up with, and probably you know go 
high five. <laughs> high five myself. <laughs> um, Bridget Jones's diarrhea was okay. Yeah. But um, look, listeners of this show know that I am very partial to a flag, and this one had girth. So, you know, <laughs> nice. Even though, I've got to say, this episode is what coming up on 20 years old a little out of touch with what we'd call the current body positivity movement everyone's kind of like oh fat revolting disgusting it's like eh. <laughs> you'd get slain on, you get slain on the internet these days probably oh yeah probably basham fattish <laughs> <laughs> great now i'm cancelled um <laughs> Hashtag cancel guy. Hashtag hashtag bring back Mitch. Um. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed Frank trying to be all secretive and waving, <laughs> glaving. <or whatever. laughs> what gave it away was it the glaving that I do? <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. And just the the court case, as I mentioned earlier, just the objection and whatnot at the inappropriate time, and just because <laughs> Snyder was there, I guess it just felt very old school. It did. Now I hate to sort of bring up a little bit of a, a sad topic, but I mean, mm-hmm. do we remember when Phil Hartman died? Because I mean, I think, as in what year? Yes, yeah. He I mean, died in May of 1998. Oh, okay then. Yeah. So, so Lionel Hutz had been off the show for a while then at this stage. Lionel yeah. Hutz's last appearance was or he. Troy McClure was the last voice appearance of Phil Hartman, but it was aired after he passed away, I believe. That okay. was in season 10. Lionel Hutt's last appearance was in Realty Bites, I want to say, like speaking role, was yeah. in Realty Bites, which was in season nine. Yeah. We're now, yeah. Because I think we, four seasons. Yeah, I think we had maybe a few patrons and a few uh, listeners saying, "Well, it's amazing that Lionel Hutz wasn't um, in, or is this the first time Lionel Hutz wasn't in a courtroom or something along those lines?" It's like, "Oh yeah, when did uh, when did we lose Phil?" So, uh, well, they ha- I think they had Homer. Homer was his own lawyer, wasn't he? In the no, who because no, I'm talking about the episode where Bart and Homer get forced to link together. Oh did yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Did they have a lawyer in that one? I can't remember. I don't think they did. Did they, or did they maybe had a public defender or something? Yeah, I can't quite. I'm not quite sure. But this was this stood out though, or, didn't it? They went out their way or, to, to find a lawyer, and yeah, it was juvenile court. So maybe that. Well, I mean, well, even actually, you know what? It might be because the because Lionel Hutz was the Simpsons family lawyer, and mm. in this one here, they made the effort to go out and find a new lawyer. That's so right, I guess yeah. this probably was the first time they actually used yeah someone else. Yeah. Okay. Then. Next question. You there eating the paste? All right. Do you mind if I kick off this week, Mister Davis? Bring it on. Bring it on. All righty. How long was the record for someone doing this? Three days. Yeah. No, three years. <laughs> three years? <laughs> and I was so confident with that. I know. Then... You're like, three, motherfucker. <laughs> so three years, yes. Yeah, all right. Um, what, as per his signature, is Cletus's surname? Ooh, uh, spuck, spuckling? Spuckling? Very close. Spuckler. Spuckler, spuckler. What lovely penmanship he had. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely. So my next question here is, how many pounds did Springfield weigh? The townspeople, <laughs> minus all, oh, before you take off all the extra. Uh, okay, 64,152 pounds. Now, I see you're looking at your notes. I'm assuming that was one of your questions. Uh, yes. <laughs> let's look. Let's look that up in um in kilos. What was it sixty four thousand one five two? Is that right? Uh, six four one five two pounds into kilos for our equals guy. What? Yeah, uh, is 
29,098.858 kilos. So heavy nearly, duty. nearly 30 ton. Whoa. Mm, very heavy people. All right. Do I, am I throwing you a question now? Yeah, chuck me a question. Go for it. And, and not that one? Okay. Then. <laughs> um, uh, what did Garth Motherlovin' have uh, happening at 11 a.m. on his schedule? Ah, oh, far out. I knew you were going to have that as a question. I didn't pay attention. I like, tried to memorize it and everything, and I forgot. What was it? Racquetball. That's it. I, was say, I kept thinking badminton. Yeah, yeah. Other, oh, well. otherwise just evil shit all day long. <laughs> yes, that's right. A couple more questions here. I've got, what did Dr. Hibbert want from the Quickie Mart? Oh, man. And it actually sounded up pixie sticks. He wanted pixie sticks. That's right. A carton of pixie <laughs> sticks, yes. They were delicious when I was a child. Loved them. I don't think I've ever had pixie sticks. Are they akin to like those... Well, I'm thinking of the ones that are like purple and you chew... Like big bosses sort of, but they were sort of harder and okay. had grooves in them. You know what I mean? Aren't yeah, yeah. Are they pixie sticks? Okay, I think we just called them... Maybe st- not. I think we just called them sticks back in the day. Oh, okay. Just <laughs> go, <laughs> go eat some sticks. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we used to have fags, man. <laughs> I know. Oh, <laughs> not not a good lolly, but you looked super cool when you're like six, oh, yeah. six years old with a little candy cigarette. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, hit me one more. What is the actual record for number of clothes pins attached to a man's face? It's 128? 123? Lower, hundred twenty-one. I'm going to put you out. Hundred twenty-two. I'm going to put you out of misery. Hundred and sixteen. Hundred sixteen. Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Although Carl thought it was eighty-seven. Yes, that is true. Oh, was that was that Lenny? Oh, sorry, Lenny thought that. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. And because Carl uh, was magnanimous in victory, good on him. <laughs> yes. My final question here is two-point question. What two things did Gil or did Gil fear having to go to knock on people's door because he had sold these two things in the past? I could so he, not so he, he, he was scared of going door knocking for Marge and Lisa, asking yes. for about the class action because he said, I've had a history of trying to sell people this and this and now they don't like me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I looked away okay. or maybe had my fingers in my ear at that stage. It, I, was, I, I, <laughs> it was suckless vacuum cleaners and Rick James Bibles. Ah, oh, Rick James Bibles. Yeah, that's right. I remember that part. Well, I just remembered it now, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I've forgotten about the, the suckless vacuum cleaner. What? Okay. <laughs> Alrighty, guys, that is trivia. We'll be right back after this short break with our review of Sweets and Sour March. Four Figure Discount is brought to you by our incredible $20 patrons, starting with Miss Bella Winderbank, who has been missing out on a shout out for the past few weeks. So I deeply apologize for this, Bella. But Bella Winderbank, you are an absolute champion. Also, Mr. Jordan, Moleman, Richie, Noah Daniel, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith. Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, Sean Davey, Keith Nedham, Sam Bennett, Timothy Burleson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James Bitch, Cal McDonald, Shannon Hofer, George McMenemy, Zach Pruitt, Jonathan Rossi, Adam Sanderson, Seth Weens, Daniel Kotnick, Ali Jamie, the iconic June fucking Richards, Matthew Davis, and David Stewart. You guys are all absolute champions. Also, shout outs to our new $5 plus patrons. 
I'm going to get this wrong. Benjamin Siuni, <laughs> sorry man, uh, Kate Holmes and Julian Singh. Also, shout out, massive shout out to our new $100 patron, Mr. Dylan Haggett, you absolute legend, sir. Don't forget, if you want to support the show and get a bunch of exclusive content in return, just go to patreon.com slash discount. You get all of our podcasts much, much earlier. Access into our Four Finger Discount, revisited classics, access into the Four Finger Discount exclusive Facebook group, and much, much more. So just go to patreon.com slash discount. But for now, enjoy our review of Sweets and Sour Marge. The original air date for Sweets and Sour Marge was January 20th, 2002, directed by Mark Kirkland, written by Carolyn Omine. Uh, Chopboard gag was nothing. There was none. They went straight to the couch gag, and it was yeah. one with a claw machine. Felt bad for Homer here, where he screams out, Ow, my brain. Brain. <laughs> I was, but Tough you watch break. it. It was obviously something they added in later, because his mouth was not moving the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Kicks off with the library sale, and I've got here, I would totally be all about this right now. Like Back when I was a kid, I wouldn't give a shit about it, but I would go to a library book sale. The lovely Louise and I went to a uh, book fair at the Geelong West um, Town Hall. I don't know how, how far in our relationship we were, but I walked away with like five books. Like, yeah. wow, this is actually a pretty damn good deal. I think my books are awesome, like, man. Oh, yeah. I paid like five bucks a pop for each. Like, some good titles. I was fairly happy. Did you say five bucks a pop? Yeah. Hey, big spender. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I totally would be all about this. I would love to go to it. I've got here as well. I need to visit the library more often. I haven't been to a library since I was in high school, I think. It's incredible you remember, you know, every once in a while it kind of strikes you as like, hey, wait a minute, there's a place not far from here. It's full of books. Yeah. I could just walk in, take one. You know, I've got to go through some official rigmarole, but, um, mm. you know, take it home and read it, then give it back. I don't have to pay for it. That's, uh, or, I could, or I could sit there and it'll be nice and quiet and no one would bother me. I know. Libraries. So support your local library, friends mm. and listeners. And our listeners are our friends. So there we go. Uh, so Homer complains when he first arrives. You mentioned that one earlier where, what does Marge say? Why do you always wait till we get there before you complain? Mm. It's, kind of a, it's kind of a joke about um, sitcoms. We've mentioned this before on Seinfeld where, you know, what, what did they discuss between home and the place they, <laughs> at, like at Monks? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you didn't discuss the scenario between them. Uh, but anyway, so we get comic book guide, Dr. Nick, just various people from Springfield going through books. Yeah. And then Lisa, she's trying to save all the pig, uh, save all the books before they become pig food. And we get Cletus with the Bridget Jones diarrhea. I know you said you liked it before, but to me, I just feel like moments like that just come across like out of character. Because it's just like we wanted to get in some wordplay and it didn't matter which character said it. So, so we just Yeah. It's not yeah, it doesn't seem exactly authentically Cletus, does it? Like Cletus has gone from "What's going on on this side?" to <laughs> Bridget Jones's diarrhea. Like you wouldn't know what Bridget Jones's is. You know what I mean? No, I mean, and the fact that he name checks Helen Fielding, the daughter of the yeah, I mean, sorry, the, the daughter, the author of the uh, the Bridget Jones books. I mean, he's gone. He's come a long way from cement toilet. So, <laughs> uh... hey, Ma, get off the damn roof. <laughs> Marge then suggests the Duff Book of World Records. I'm not going to lie. I was a big fan of the Guinness World Records TV show back in the day. I, I was not a, never really sort of a Guinness Book of World Records guy, but one book that I did like that I think is a little bit similar to this. Uh, did you ever read the Book of Lists? Or is that a little no. before your time? Have you ever heard that, of the Book is, of Lists? Is, is that sponsored by BuzzFeed or? No. no. <laughs> this, this is even before the internet, Dan. <laughs> okay. The, before the internet, we had books. Um, but um, 
yeah, the book of list was just this sort of it basically was BuzzFeed pre BuzzFeed because it was a book of like listicles essentially okay. on a whole bunch of various topics. But I I'll, I will wager dollars to donuts, one of my favorite sayings, that um, you know. Six out of ten Australian houses would have a copy of the Book of Lists on its shelf, or its sequel, the Book of Lists Two. Um, yeah, look it up on the internet, folks. The Book of Lists. It's a good yeah, time. Never saw, good. Never saw yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound interesting. <laughs> but um, I, but yeah. it's. I know it sounds kind of. Oh, it's a book full of lists, huh? but <laughs> it actually provided hours of fun and entertainment. Yeah, no, it would have been, especially like you said, it was before the internet. So you couldn't just go on yeah. Google and find out shit, you know? And it would have been one of those things where it's like good for trivia and stuff like that, trivia nights and things. Yeah. But, but, um, but yeah, so she suggested the Duff Book of World Records. Homer's very enthralled by it. What's the point of that? that that's, a, that's a goiter. So I looked it up. A goiter is just like an inflamed gland in your neck or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, okay. That's what's most interesting about this book to Homer. Lisa explains <laughs> that it was printed to settle disputes in taverns and Homer's made up this rule for himself that when someone says tavern, it gives him the uh, power to go to Moe's. And Marge says, I didn't agree to that, but too bad, he's <laughs> off anyway. We're now at Moe's and Lenny and Carl are fighting over how many clothespins a man could attach to his face and neck. And then uh, thankfully, Homer arrives very heavenly in the door with the white light behind him with the... The Book of World Records to help settle this peacefully. He does, and Mo is very impressed. Well, I say the most close pins a man could attach to his face is 87. You counted the neck. You know I am. All right, outside. Peace, my people. All shall be looked up. Let's see, most close pins swallowed, inserted. Here we go. Clip to face and neck, 116. Huh. Jeez, I was wrong, but I ain't angry. And I'm magnanimous in victory. Wow, that's the best book I've ever seen. Nope. The best book you've ever seen is Tom Clancy's Up Center. That thing knows me better than I know myself. Were there ever, back in the day, before the internet, were there things like trivia books? Like, not, not the list books, like just random pop trivia questions where you carry around and... If there were, I never picked one up. Okay. Um, was it, was yeah, it also I, like, like pocket Google kind of thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think there was really. So you sort of had to, um, you kind of had to rely on your memory. And, you know, there was always some annoying dork um, sort of new shit like that. And you could yeah. sort of call upon to, uh, hey, guy, you'll know this one. What's such and such? And you'll go, such. At which point, <laughs> yay. <laughs> Oh, we're not worthy. <laughs> I may be misremembering that. I may be remembering that in a way that makes me feel better. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Homer is now testing all the family. Uh, I, I love doing this. I sometimes, I haven't done it since pre-COVID actually, but what we used to do is I'd put together like 100 questions, random trivia questions that I know would appeal to my family, what their interests are and whatnot. And I would be the host and they'd have teams and we'd have like trivia nights. And I can't wait. We're actually going to do it again this Sunday night. So oh, nice. just seeing, seeing Homer testing the family, I was like, oh, yeah. It's, I remember how <laughs> fun that was. You know, I can't wait to do it again on Sunday. Yeah, so Homer's testing all the, the family. He realizes that he's gone through his entire book. He's used it up. That's the one negative of a book. That, well, these, these kinds of books, once you've read it, it's like, yeah. oh, you can't really reuse it on the same people. You know what I mean? True. Uh, so Bart <laughs> suggests that Homer should go and break his own record. He thinks maybe he could run a mile in three and a half minutes. Uh, so if you watch this for the first time, right? So Lisa says, "Yeah, I'm Marge," and Homer says, "The Simpsons are 
going to Mars. <laughs> if you watch this for the first time, I mean, even if you're creating the promo for this, you could set this whole commercial up to be like yeah. the Simpsons are going to Mars. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, he realizes that's probably not a good idea. So he goes to the Duff uh, record office. I thought this was going to be one of your favorite moments. So he's sitting there saying, oh, you're a shoo-in for the world's fattest man. It's very disrespectful to Marlon Brando. <laughs> you, uh, weren't you anti-Brando? Who's anti-Brando? No one. I, mean, I thought, you, I th- I thought you, you said the, the guy, oh, maybe maybe it was Mitch. I can't remember. If Mitch is anti-Brando, I mean, I'm, I'm anti-Dando. I mean, everybody knows that. <laughs> That's the confusion. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I don't know if we've talked about this. We probably have talked about it on the show in the past, but when... Um, when you first announced that um, that you were going to be a father and you're going to have a, have a son, and we're all sort of throwing names around the pop culture office, and I was like, Marlon Dando, Marlon Dando. I still cop shit at work about that. <laughs> <laughs> I still ask how Marlon's going. <laughs> that or uh, or Dando Calrissian or something. I don't, yeah, I thought, <laughs> but yes, admittedly. <laughs> look, I I didn't dislike it, but nor did I think it was all that great a joke. I, but whoever did the Brando impersonation was pretty good. Homer goes in there and... Uh, <laughs> do you want to do another one? I'll never turn down an opportunity. That's not even a very good Brando. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's move on. <laughs> Homer then goes in. It's kind of like a American Idol audition. Just trying to work out which record he's going to break. That you got the yelling, the banjo with the cobra. And let's see. I say cobra so, there, but normally I say cobra. Remember we had this discussion yeah. once? Cobra and cobra? We did. And Yeah. And when we start talking about it, I mean, then I can't remember exactly what I say. I think it's because sure they say, say Cobra in here, but I say Cobra. King Cobra Golf Club. I'm pretty I sure I say Cobra. I'm pretty sure I go with Co. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the listeners will be able, even, be able to remind thing, us, though. Even that whole thing at the end with da-da-ding, ding-ding-ding, and sort of, it's like... Yeah. Ah, sorry, Simpsons guys, because you may be watching this or yeah. listening to this or whatever. Acknowledging your hackiness does not make you less hacky. There's one bit in here that I thought was even less, not appropriate, but it just felt so out of character for Homer when they said that, you know, um, thousands of people like you are discernible, uh, come in here with no discernible talent. And Homer goes, yeah, congressman or co- the Congress. And it's like, that is not a line Homer would ever say. No, I mean that's um who who are the who are the radio DJs who are the is it Bill and Marty Bill and, Ma- Bill and Marty in the morning? It's like yeah, those clowns in Congress. How does how does it know that? But yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, Homer wouldn't. That's politics is not something Homer would make a joke about. You know what I mean? He would have no um, idea what yeah, he's talking about. But in his defence, it probably is the kind of hacky gag that he would recycle, having heard it from from morning zoo dipshits, you know, and think and he thinks that's you know. It's like that. Did you do you watch Bob's Burgers? I've never watched it, but I know everyone says it's great. <laughs> I I've, I've sort of I haven't been into it for a while. It's not not because it's bad, just because you know there's just too much stuff to watch. Yeah. Um. But there's a great bit where Tina, the eldest daughter, who's kind of a bit awkward, and you know, sort of on she's you know going through puberty and she's trying to become you know more grown up, and she's insisting on going along to this dinner and she's sort of practicing. Um, just talking points and she's got like the only one she has is like 
in this economy. So, you know, <laughs> so anytime we'd say anything like, you know, I think we should increase military spending in this economy. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's what this, that's sort of what this reminds me of. Homer has heard, you know, Bill and Marty sort of dissing Congress. Like, oh, those Congress, what a bunch of clowns. Actually, I think it was the DJ Bot 3000. It was, the, it was about, how does he know all that? <laughs> <laughs> how does it know all that? Homer has probably heard that on his way to the plant one morning and thinking, now that's comedy, and um, it's going to sort of recycle it. Yeah, so I don't know. that's me. That's perhaps me being overly generous. But anyway, they suggest <laughs> to Homer that you know you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. You should probably try and attempt a group record, um, and that's where we get the Homer, the Denver, no Spanish omelet. Did it? Did it? Did it? Yeah, just. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, it, just, it just sort of t- took me out of the moment a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But there's a few such... Well, when I say a few, there's actually probably just two scenes in this episode and there's one at the very end. We'll Let, Letty that. at the end with the teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Mm. right. Homer then gathers up all the town to attempt the world's largest pyramid. It's very convenient. They all know how to do it. <laughs> yeah, also, it struck me as... like Maybe it's a, a timing thing or whatever. There was an opportunity for a gag there, possibly, that... Um, how did Homer assemble all these people for a um, for a town meeting? You know, what's did he use some kind of ruse? Did he uh, draw them in with with sugar? I don't know. I mean, um, oh, yeah, actually, there is a, a. I guess could anything have really been cut out of this episode though? Maybe something from the start. Less shit in the library. That's the thing because there's it's such a long setup to get to. Hey, this town's fat, you know, and, it, and yeah, true. Yeah, and yeah. Marge is upset about that. When we actually got to like, and we'll, we'll get to it in just a second, but when it's like, hey, congratulations, Springfield, you're the fattest town in America. I mean, it's like, okay, that's that's actually not a bad way to get to the inciting incident. So, yeah, you know, I can't, I certainly appreciate that. But before we get to that, let's get back to what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's gathered everyone up. Uh, crust, so they're all start uh, forming the pyramid. We had Krusty here mentioning, is it, is it Elky Summer? Elky Summer, sort of a, a 70s sex symbol. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, because yeah, that that reference was... I, I looked her up a bit after, for doing this review, but that reference is straight over my head. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. N- never exactly a huge name, and maybe that's the joke. There was a wave of um, hot blonde Swedes um, <laughs> who sort of, you know... Like Britt Eklund, for instance. Do you know who Britt Eklund is? No, I don't, know. I think she was in the Bond movie, The Man with the Golden Gun. And, you okay. Know, married to Peter Sellers for a while. Yeah, you know, there were a whole wave of them. Um, and Elkie Summer was one of them, not exactly the most high-profile one. So, I don't know, that's maybe Crusty just sort of dropping names that aren't, you know, that make very little impact when they're dropped. Yeah, <laughs> much, and I think much, it's probably a name that like, they're going to get less, less chance of a lawsuit by mentioning her, maybe. Quite possibly, yeah. Um, Hobo checks his specifications, just a tri- triangle on a piece of paper. It's okay. And, That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and begins his ascent. Climbs halfway up, sets up uh, like, like a base camp or something. He's just going to hang out. Yeah, for the like, day. yeah, this will be base camp, and I'll I'll try to summit tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I feel bad that I've sort of been dissing this episode when there are a few nice little bits like like. Well, That's that what tends to happen. Yeah, you, you feel like oh, that wasn't very good, but when you go back and read through all the all the gags like oh yeah it was actually pretty funny yeah uh so but um but sees this taunts him gets him come back up again he nearly gets to the top but then he grabs onto the stinger of bumblebee man snaps it off and falls down (laughs) and it looks like he's in trouble but he somehow hangs on 
climbs back up and he thinks he's uh, achieved the record, but no, they're a foot too short. So he grabs Maggie, holds her up, and they're going to hold it for three Mississippis. Now, Mississippis. I reckon this is the episode, this is where I got in my mind where you count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, because I don't think before I watched this episode I ever did that. But now, you never do that. But now it's all I ever do to count time if I'm going to try and count properly. The way I see it, there are two types of people in the world. There are Mississippi people and there are elephant people. Elephant? I've never heard that one. Yeah. Mm. One elephant, two, one, elephant, two elephant, one Mississippi, three. two Mississippi. I think Mississippi just sounds more... It's more fun to say. One Mississippi, it is, two yeah. Mississippi, three Mississippi. Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yes, but then uh, Jimbo and Kearney are touching hands. Ah! So, they go, ah! being the usual teenage boys, and they all fall... They form the human ball. And now, did you notice here? I don't know whether they meant this or whether they didn't. Because mm-hmm. if you look as Mole Man and Agnes are running away from the ball, mm-hmm. Mole Man and Agnes are already part of the ball. Oh. But Mole Man yells out, oh, no, not again. Hmm. So what's the gag? Is the gag that this has happened at some point in the past? Or that even he was part of the ball... Fell off the ball and then no, got because, swallowed up by the no, ball because, again. No, no because, because he's, he's already no, because in the ball. He's, he's in front of the ball and then he's seen behind Molman on the ball. Hmm. Is there two Hans Molman in Springfield? Theory. Ooh. Okay, then. I don't know. Boy, <laughs> so many conspiracies. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so if you look closely, you can actually freeze frame. You can see Agnes and Molman on the uh, on the ball. <laughs> but it just I just thought it was a, a cool little visual just seeing the, all the Springfield... All Springfieldians rolling around together like that. They end up landing on the truck scales and they realise... Oh, oh, how funny is Mo here? I am so far from my car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's exactly what I'll be thinking too. I'm like, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he notices, uh, Jimbo notices that Kearney has passed out and then the, the Duff World Records people <laughs> arrive. They realise the weight and they declare them the world's fattest town. Take that Milwaukee. <laughs> was was Milwaukee America's fattest town at that point? I wonder. I'm not sure. I, look, I think I've talked about. Um, <laughs> I was about to say our friends at Red Letter Media. They're not our friends. We've never met them. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's a, a terrific uh, movie review channel called Red Letter Media, and I think they're based in Milwaukee, or certainly based. Is Milwaukee a city, right? I think Mil- is it Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Let's have a look. Pretty sure, yeah. Pretty sure, yeah. Uh, but. They will occasionally sort of sledge Milwaukee and talk about how it's, you know, home to find the finest chain restaurants in all the land and, you know, how they eat a lot of, you know, fried food and, um, you know, a lot of cheese and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, you know, it's got a healthy appetite. So, yeah, that may well be the case. I'm just looking up here. Milwaukee is definitely in Wisconsin. I just wanted to make sure because I'm like... I'm pretty sure Milwaukee was where Laverne and Shirley was set. Oh, um, fair enough. There you go. And, yeah, and that's but, where um, that 70s show was set as well. Yeah, okay. Any of our American friends who are from Milwaukee or Milwaukee adjacent, let us know, you know if you're tubbos or if you know, you've know you got a bad rep. Actually, that 70s show wasn't set in Milwaukee. It was definitely set in Wisconsin. I don't know about Milwaukee. Yeah, because of, yeah, Wisconsin or something. Yeah. Along those lines. Yeah. yeah. What, what's that, that song? Theme? Is that Cheap Trick? What's that song? I don't know, but it's a good theme song. Yeah. Hanging, Hanging out. It's, it's an actual song though, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so getting back to the episode, what's happened? Uh, oh, yeah, so uh, Quimby declares they- that Fat City USA. Um, everyone <laughs> cheers and it's 
they do a good job here of animating their bellies, just all jiggling and the sound effects and mm. everything. Yeah, just really over the top. Now, the, the basis for this story actually came because they wanted to use a world record and they sort of thought they're going to have, all right, to do with the sugar. And they're saying, who, who are the fattest people in Springfield? They started mm. compiling this list and they realized that everyone in Springfield is essentially obese. <laughs> or not everyone, but most people, which is where they got the fattest town uh, record from. But yeah, so everyone's out of shape, you know, um, Milhouse gets his glasses knocked off by the bellies and whatnot. And Marge is very concerned. Homer's going to stop sucking in his gut. I thought this man was fat. But boy, he's fat. Oh, yeah. He's fat. He's real fat. (laughs) I don't know how this town got so fat. Mom, we're out of frosting gobs. Here, have one of my fudge stuffed toaster pies. Are you a, uh, a sugary breakfast man, Mr. Davis? I never have been. Really? I mean, I'm more a savoury breakfast guy. Like a croissant? Oh, that's more morning tea. That's second breakfast. Um, but um, I'll occasionally get sort of a hankering for a, um, for a breakfast cereal. And even then, not like, not like a sugary one, just like a nice fruity one, like a nice yep. sort of fruity muesli or something. Or, uh, but every once in a while, like a sugary cereal. But no, no, I mean, um, no, I tend to be sort of more a uh, Vegemite on toast or bacon and... Or scrambled eggs kind of guy or something, or bacon and eggs kind of guy. Yeah. Or a really nice sort of chorizo and egg scramble. Oh, man, delightful. I've uh, just been living off oats, oats for the oops. last two months. <laughs> <laughs> I do love me some quick, some quick oats, and I've just put some fat-free yogurt on top. Delicious. Ooh, nice. <laughs> but then we get to Marge going to the Quickie Mart. And everything there has sugar in it, all the empty calories, much like this episode, as you said. This was another joke that got retread. So, oh, sugar-free donuts. No, you read that all wrong. Sugar-free donuts. I'm like, that's just Lionel Hutt's gag again. (laughs) (laughs) A good gag is worth repeating. It is, yeah, as you say. Dr. Hibbert then arrives and he's um, he's craving some pixie sticks, but unfortunately, they haven't arrived yet. So, he gives him the 911 number to call. That joke went absolutely nowhere. So, he goes, (laughs) gives him the 911. That joke would have been funny if it just had the car, but then it had a poo going, 911? Like he was confused. Yeah. I was like, "Did you, you need know, that extra? What? What? It's the it's the emergency number. Come on, man. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Yeah. yeah. Well, he should of all fucking people. He gets shot yeah. every day. <laughs> <laughs> poo points out that everything in the stores from the uh, mother loving sugar corporation, mm-hmm. and then Marge says, "Where's the worldwide headquarters? Conveniently, <laughs> just down the street. Just there." <laughs> I would I wouldn't call this lazy. It's, it's it gets used a lot in various different shows. It's just it a does. convenient thing to. Yeah. To keep the story flowing. And for Marge to say, that's lucky. I mean, yeah. look, I, I dissed the sort of the hack gag before with, you know, Homer turning towards the camera. Yeah, not great. But um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it works better when Julie Kavner does it because she's yeah. so sort of, she's so wonderfully dry. Uh, so Marge then goes to see Garth Mother Loving. Is it Loving or Lovin? Marth- I think Mother it might Lovin. be Lovin. Lovin. All right. Lovin. Uh, like, like McLovin, perhaps. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so I've just got here. Yeah, he's just trying to get I'm similar gonna, vibes. I'm going to have character. a look. You have a look, okay? Uh, it's mother loving with a G. Loving, okay? Yeah, because I've got I've written loving everything here. I'm like I'm sure I would have written mother loving, but yeah. So mm. I've just got here. It's just um, he's trying to capture that vibe of the Happy Gilmore character, the guy in the old yeah. folks' home, but just wasn't quite hitting it there. No. Um, it's just really mean to her, and I know they try they try to make him seem really dumb with the corporate responsibility. He turns his head like a dog and whatnot. But yeah, anyway, yeah. 
Marge is uh, very annoyed. She calls him a meanie beanie for beanie. <laughs> it's just a very funny Marge line. Uh, Homer asked if there were any Oompa Loompas. Uh, she saw one, but he was a, ca- a cage. He didn't look like he was very well. Not moving. <laughs> oh. Lisa then suggests that she starts a class action, much like Aaron Brockovich. They call, Bart calls her the prostitute with a heart of gold. Is that meant to be a piss take of pretty woman? I think it must be, yeah. Yeah. Then we get the lawyers. So America, I think the lawyer schools pop out 2.1 lawyers for every person in America now. So they're all trying mm-hmm. to get her, get her uh, work. But they choose old Gil, thankfully, because old Gil needs the job. <laughs> but he says to him, you know, I can't go door to door because I've been selling all the uh, this useless shit in the past and everyone now hates me so much as I'll do the job. Don't worry, you disappear in the courtroom. She goes to ask Wiggum, get poor Ralph here. He's happy and angry. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, I feel sorry for Ralph there. Then we get Cletus with diabetes. This just made me upset. I'm like, this is just gross. It did. It yeah. did. Apparently, this is a play on the mother in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. True. Yeah. She does look kind of similar. Um, but that woman in that movie, apparently she was an, a saint in real life. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you read interviews with Johnny Depp and, and uh, Leo DiCaprio and they're like, oh, we all love Darlene Cates. She was just an absolute... Uh, Absolute sweetheart of a lady. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it was a. I haven't seen Gilbert Grape in a very, very long time. But uh, yeah, I remember thinking this is a really good performance by. I don't know if she was a professional actress, the woman who. Uh, oh, really? Who played okay. the role? But uh, yeah, doing uh, doing splendid work alongside you know two of the premier actors. It was uh, yeah, no, no, it was very nice. What I remember from that movie because we did a school project on it was we used to always quote match in the gas tank. Boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's also kind of depressing. She's losing weight so she can fit in her mum's coffin. I'm like, mm. what? <laughs> I think The Simpsons at this stage, and, you know, I'm sorry to be going over old Graham, but, you know, it's it's definitely trying to sort of operate in the same territory as, um, as Family Guy in South Park. But I can't really sort of find the right balance of... Um, Gags that are a little bit blacker or a little bit sort of <gasps> outrageous with its normal sort of tone or with the tone for which it become famous, mm. and you can really sort of feel the tension or the uh, you can feel the gears grinding, you know. So when you've got a gag like that, it I don't necessarily think it's a bad gag. I mean, I think it's I think it's actually kind of funny. It's black, um, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like it works in The Simpsons, if you know what I mean. Uh, we get Claire's signature, which is actually very fancy. Then we get Disco mm. Stu, who's just absolutely lost his mind. He's been stuck, hooked on the white stuff since the 70s. True. And this is one thing I noticed, particularly with the um, the Disco Stu gag. They all played just maybe two seconds too long. You know, and all the air sort of goes out of them as a result. I mean, sort of Marge backing out the door is like, I don't think we needed that. You mentioned it before with... Um, yeah, well, I, I didn't jokes. mind it actually. I didn't mind March backing out. <laughs> Man, I don't know. It just could have been played. It's different with animation, I know, but it, I don't know. It feel, feels like it could have been played a bit sort of quicker. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, so she gets home and Homer's very annoyed with her because um, the dinner's all burnt. Why don't you just turn the dinner off? Obviously, he wants to do it together. Runs off crying. This is where she gets Come, the anonymous. Comes back, comes back for the burnt. Uh, yeah, that's it is. right. Yeah, meatloaf or something. <laughs> Gets the anonymous call from Frank, which I just thought was hilarious. Hello? Hi, Simpson. Who is this? I'm an anonymous whistleblower. I worked on a top secret project called Operation Hiving Maven. 
Professor Frank? Oh, what gave me away? Out of curiosity, was it the Hoyven or the Maven or was it the whole Gahoyvy thing that I do? I've got a soft spot for Freak. <laughs> oh, just, I like Frank. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's still one of those characters where you don't want to overdo it, but just the occasional hiving, laving. Just, oh. just, just, it's always good for a laugh. Oh, look, maybe I'm, I'm sure we could crunch the numbers and find out how many times per season Frank appears. I don't think you'd want him more than three times in a 22 ep season. Yeah, we'll see. He's appeared probably two or three times already. I reckon because he did the. It was in the yeah, blunder yeah. years when he got the when he became fancy and like and good looking. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's appeared somewhere else. But yeah, he's, he's good for just just a couple of moments. But he testifies here, um, and this is where like he, he goes against Garth. What's he call him? I can't remember what he calls him, but he goes off on him, you little snitch or whatever, you weasel. <laughs> uh, Gil objects to the fact that he's winning the case anyway. Then we get Count Fudgula, whose fangs are now all gone because he eats, ate all the sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all his food now has to be all mashed up. Then Garth tries to bribe Judge Snyder with the candy, which does not work. Marge wins the case. Homer's so proud of her until Judge Snyder says, all sugar is banned forever. <laughs> get in the car. <laughs> also, there's a, um, a little bit of a saucy gag in there. Hmm? The use of the term Hershey Highwayman, I'm not going to go into it here. Uh, oh my, I can sort of work out what it means. <laughs> yeah, so intrigued listeners may want to Google the term Hershey Highway. Not at work. But not at work. <laughs> <laughs> and not with the sound on. No. <laughs> or we even come- with the screen on. Yeah, Maybe just don't Google it. Use your imagination. <laughs> we come back from the commercial and we have a new story from Brockman who's explained that Springfield has now has, had its cake hole shut forever thanks to the new Marge's Law. Then we get all the different Aaron Brockovich puns. Aaron Chocolate, Aaron Chocosnitch. Yeah. Uh, so I love that Homer's here. Blue hair, Brockovich. <laughs> okay, that was just me. <laughs> uh, the sugar is now going to be replaced. It's going back to highly concentrated opiates, which, you know, is that any better? <laughs> Your mileage may vary. Uh, I would not they're, complain. <laughs> they're, bur- they're burning all of the, uh, all the chocolates in, in Springfield, all the candy. So, Johnny Depp in Chocolat. So, mm. him melting there and having the little... Is that, a, is that a play on anything from the movie? Or is it just meant to be a funny visual? I think it's just meant to be a funny visual. Apparently, um, the face melting is meant to look like the um, that iconic painting, The Scream. You know, Well, that's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't really remember much about Chocolat. Um, other than Johnny Depp has sort of like this weird hybrid French-Irish accent thing going on. He looks very handsome in it. It's a, it's a good-looking okay. movie, Chocolat. But um, honestly, I I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who's watched it uh, in the last 10 to 15 years. It's really okay, not yeah. one. Yeah. We then get um, the Butterfingers. So the Butterfingers contract with The Simpsons had just ended. So that, uh, that was how they basically established their fame. Well, that's how they got their first bit of money, The Simpsons and Fox, was uh, the, the, the cross-branding with Bart and Butterfingers. Um, you, nobody, no, uh, what was the, the slogan? Nobody better lay a finger on my Butterfinger, I think was the slogan. Um, but we don't really have Butterfingers in Australia. Uh, no. They import them as American chocolates, but we don't really have, you ever had have them? them here at all. No, I'm not a big peanut man. I, I peanut butter and stuff. Oh, yeah, and yeah. now I can't, obviously, because of Nicola. So I just avoid yeah. that in the house. But um, yeah, I've never been a big peanut butter man. Um, mm. But yeah, because the contract had just ended, they thought, well, we can make that gag now. Had the contract still been there, they wouldn't have done it. Yeah. No. But are you a, I, are you a Butterfinger man? 
I've had them maybe once or twice, and I thought, and I'm I am a peanut butter man, and I'm kind of like, hey, this this may be too much peanut butter. Oh, really? Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. They, they sort of look to me oh, those chomps, like chomps of peanut butter. Is that what they kind of were? Uh, a bit thicker and a bit, bit nuttier. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Because mm, mm, I love a chomp. I do mm. like a chomp. Uh, although chomps can at times be a little bit too chewy for my liking. Same with curly whirlies. I love the taste of curly whirlies, but eventually they get stuck in your teeth and shit. Yeah, man. I'm not a curly whirly guy, but um... okay. I used to love the commercial, the the dancing ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so the kids are now at school. They all need their sugar. They're um they're all looking sick, and especially Ralph and whatnot. Mm-hmm. At the quickie mart, there's absolutely nothing left. This here was a moment. This is my least favorite moment in the episode. So Homer starts licking the sticky spot. Mm. Apu announces that it's blood and vapor rub. And then Apu goes away from that. Apu mentions there's a mercenary group who are looking to try and smuggle sugar back in. Can you? Do you want to help us, Homer? He says, yes, but first, we must continue licking this blood and vapor up. <laughs> well, he doesn't say it, but he just does it. And I'm like, that's just gross. I don't want to ever <laughs> see that again. I uh, know. I didn't mind Homer saying, part of me knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, the fact that he went back and licked it again, knowing it was blood yeah. and vapor up, I was like, I well, don't know. I don't know. I mean... It's something that I find kind of interesting and I think is not properly or fully explored in this episode. I think it would be, and no one likes a Monday morning quarterback, but to my for, to my thinking, this episode would be better or have a stronger sort of underpinning if, mm-hmm. you know, Homer really wanted to support Marge in her campaign, you know, because he loves, he loves Marge and he wants, you know, and he says at the end, you know, I love it when you, you know, you do things like that. And, you know, he wants to be really sincere, but God, he loves sugar. Oh, and he, you know, he loves the sweet taste. And so, you know, he's really torn in that <laughs> regard. I mean, love the sweet taste. <laughs> that's one of my favorite Simpsons. Like, they love their candy in Shelbyville. They love the sweet taste. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but he, so he's legitimately torn. I mean, and that, it's conflict. It's the essence of good drama. So, um, which as we all know, is also the essence of good comedy. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Um, <laughs> My maths may be fuzzy on that one, but so I've gone from I've gone from me saying least favorite moment to you saying it's just good drama. <laughs> <laughs> Get it right, um, yeah. But do, do you think so? I mean, if, if you know, if Homer was like, oh, I really want to do right by Marge. She's 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 actually on the on the right side here. But oh, I love sugar, and you know, I can understand the conflict. The, the conflict. That's why I said here this story. It's believable. It's not out of the realm of possibility that this this feels like a very golden era episode of The Simpsons if yeah. handled correctly. It's just, it, it felt like maybe Carolyn wasn't given enough time to write the script. I'm not too sure, but Quite, it just yeah. felt like if you give this script to a, a Swartzwelder or a Conan O'Brien, it would have been or, fucking Or a Guy amazing. Davis and Brendan Dent. Oh yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, I feel, if I was writing an episode of The Simpsons, 15 to 20 seconds should not transpire without a gag of some kind. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just and how I'm thinking. It should be gag, 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 gag. Yeah. We last night Dandon and I recorded um our Home of the Vigilante mm. episode for the um for the patrons. And Dando very astutely pointed out how there's there's no waste in it. And in the best Simpsons episode, there's no waste. There's it's gag 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 gag. There's a lot happening. You know, and all, it's a it's a little visual moment, or it's a one liner, or something. But you know, there's always something happening, or there are very, there's really no lag time, and really no sort of dull spots. In this episode, I had the feeling is like 
you don't want there to be lag time and you don't want there to be dull spots, but what you've filled it in with is things like, I don't know, and coming up later, <laughs> good times. It's like, that's that's like the really shit polyfiller that you um that you that you buy when you can't afford the name brand stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, it's it's like particularly that Burns moment that you mentioned. It's kind of like you didn't know how to get from one gag to the next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but, um, please continue, Mister Dan. Yes, um, but yeah. So the, the overall story was solid here. Just needed to be just a little bit more care taken in certain moments. Mm. But where were we up to? I'm just looking at the notes. Uh, so, he's he's licking the uh, the blood and uh, the uh, look at the blood and guts. That's right. Yeah, the, the gross. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, they sneak into Lard Lad with the Axel F theme. I always like it when they use that. Um, and Count Fudgler's in there. I thought you wanted to get rid of this stuff. I'm a bastard. Don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of a letdown that you didn't have more blair. I know. I was hoping for a blair. <laughs> <laughs> Burns and Garth want Homer to smuggle sugar in from where, Mr. Davis? From San Glucose. Yes, yes. And this is where we get the, the, the awkward laugh that doesn't really mm-hmm. go anywhere. No. Bart and Homer uh, then sneak out of home again with the Axel F music. Lisa says, you know, you sure this is the right idea? Marge yells out, steamed limes for dessert. Godspeed. <laughs> Hang on, did I miss that part? Bart and Homer sneaking out of home. Yeah, because I wondered why Bart was on the San Glucose mission. Yeah, Bart and Homer sneaking out of home and Lisa's like, are you sure you guys are safe? Are you sure you want to do this? And then Marge yells out, dessert's on, steamed limes. And she says, Godspeed. I, I, I did not see that. I was watching it on Disney Plus. Did you watch it on Disney Plus? I watched it on Disney Plus. Oh, maybe I don't know. <laughs> did I did I have a micro nap? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you saw a dog with a puffy tail. Hey Puff, come here, Puffy. <laughs> 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 uh, but yes, yeah, so they end up now on the boat, and Homer tries to enter the water, lands on the deck below, then lands on a whale, and mm. eventually lands in. I really love this next bit. I think Dad's come across some seaweed. You, I touched it. Over. <laughs> like, that's exactly what I'm like. I hate seaweed. Oh God, yeah. yeah. There's nothing when worse it, than that when you're at the when beach. When you try to kick it off and it just sticks to your toe, you're like, get the <laughs> hell off my feet. <laughs> then this was also a very funny turn of events. Okay, man. Here's the sugar. Now you give us the money. That wasn't part of the deal. <laughs> that's right. Who wrote this thing? They, they arrive back and Homer's put away his personal supply. Everyone's a bit concerned about this. Home, uh, Wiggum mm-hmm. then intervenes. Wiggum's actually trying to be a police officer in this one. Yeah. Um, he intervenes. Uh, unfortunately, he's not very good because <laughs> Homer's like, no, you're going to have to fight us to the death or whatever. And everyone's just bailing on him. Just lets Homer <laughs> and Bart. Now, Bart, remember what I told you about running away from your troubles? Let's go. <laughs> and they take off. Now, now, just as you're happy to hear the Axel F theme, uh, or the, or I do, you love this. Yeah. I'm always happy when I hear the Miami Vice theme. Yeah, it has very good uses of it too. <laughs> just, it's, this is actually a pretty cool little action sequence. Oh, my baby! <laughs> <laughs> Wiggle likes to think he makes it, made a difference when really he didn't really achieve anything. Homer then uh, arrives with the, the booty, the loot, with Garth there waiting for it. And uh, he says, I want to see an Oompa Loompa first. Shows him the Oompa Loompa. <laughs> Before handing over the sugar, this is where Marge then in, uh, comes over and says, please don't do this. You're going to make the town un- uh, unhealthy again. We're better without it. Realistically, though, a little bit of sugar is okay. You know, yeah. like, so just, just 
chill out, Marge. You know, it's yeah. fine. it's fine. But she knows if the if the sugar gets into the hands of Garth, then he'll use it incorrectly. Yes. So she pleads, please don't do it. What what does what does Garth say? Don't do it, Homer. Oh, they both make great arguments. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, he doesn't select the obey bad guy button. He pushes mm-hmm. the dump cargo button and chooses Marge over Garth. Garth puts his tail between his legs and backs away. The the reverse uh, eh, eh, was sort of a great little mm-hmm. send off for Garth. I thought just a nice little yeah. usage there. Um, everyone jumps into water because the sugar's now in there. I didn't like my wedding the shark. No, I mean, admittedly, the shark did bite him back, which was fine. Yeah. But uh, but then he grabs it again. And he goes, "Oh, so that's how it's going to be." And I was like, yeah. "No, you're eating a live at what?" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like flake flake as much as the next man, but uh, yeah, <laughs> wait till it's dead. Wait till it's dead, Mo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so then Judge Snyder says he exceeded his authority, ends the ban immediately, and jumps in to have some sugar. Yeah, so it's, resol- it's resolved just like that? Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Marge then lets the kids go in if they take Maggie. Marge is depressed, but Homer cheers her up by calling her a real Karolodovich. Mm-hmm. And it's, they they do this quite a bit. They wrap the episode up very quickly and then try to end it with a bit of a heartfelt ending. It's it's mm-hmm. fine. It's nice. Um, Lenny's lost his teeth. Yes. The endings, it is what it is. This episode, I'm not going to say it was great. I'm not going to say it was bad either. It was just a good premise, just needed a little bit more work. That's all. Yes, I will agree with you on that point. Look, I, I, I will admit I came into this episode or came into this, uh, well, came into this episode of Four Finger Disco and going, done a bit. More like just sour Marge, am I right, guys? Um, <laughs> 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 and the very Old music. Simpson Safari guy has is back. Um, as we've gone through it I have uh, felt uh, yeah look there are enough good to okay bits in this that it's okay say bad is over there and good is over here we're somewhere around here yes we're we're somewhere in the 40% area yeah yeah nothing is nothing is terrible in this no and it's there's enough good stuff to out what to counterbalance the so-so stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. What do we learn, Palmer? So, what did we learn for this episode, Mister Davis? Uh, that I'm always happy when I hear the Miami Vice theme. That it makes any show one thousand percent better, even Miami Vice. I feel like if you heard that in the car, you'd all of a sudden just start chasing criminals around. Oh God, yeah, I'd get so many speeding tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that I don't ever want to have vapor rub on my chest again after hearing the combination of blood and vapor rub. Oh Ew. god, <laughs> you've got me. Th- you've got me thinking it's really gross now. It's, it is gross. Yeah, but I hadn't thought about it, and now I can't stop <laughs> thinking about it. Ah. Oh, there we go. Alrighty, it's now time for. From this day forward, your names will be. Yes, it is the Guy Davis New Name Championship here for Sweets and Sour Marge. Just going to get up the leaderboard as it currently stands. All right. So, in third position, we have Nora Cocker. Kosher. Kosher. On five points. In second position, we have a tie between Mark Boston Burgess and Philip Hawkins, both on six. And atop the leaderboard, we still have Garode Harrahill Gear on eight points. Ooh. So, what have we got this week, Mr. Davis? Okay, then. Um, For an episode that uh, was eh, not that great, a lot of good uh, new titles for this episode. In fact, I'm bringing back honourable mentions and one very honourable mention. So it's Mm. it's not quite leaderboard, but it's so close to the leaderboard that it might as well be on the leaderboard, but it's not on the leaderboard. So 
bad luck. But um, just just falling shy of that, we have uh, our pal Thalia. Thalia, I believe. I believe we do pronounce the H. Thalia, this. is it? Okay. I think so. She may well get in touch with us and say, you guys continue to fuck it up. Or mainly, this guy continues to fuck it up. But... We'll get for this for this episode, we're going to say Thalia Enriquez gave us Too Fat, Too Furious, which I quite liked. Ooh, very good. Yeah. Steve Roberts uh, provided obesity. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's one... And these are the I, special mentions. I'm excited to know what the top three are. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Josh Hedge gave us a really good one that was... It's more of a visual gag, so it's not really... So it can't be a new title, sort of, but it's... Um, he, he, he gave us a screen cap of um, the drum kit with rat on it. And it was like, we're diet, right? No, 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 we're fat. And then someone, and then uh, Keith Nedham replied to that with, nah, nah, we're white sugar. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, not bad. It's got too many moving pieces to be a new title, but it's still a pretty <laughs> rad gag. And that's not even the Venry Honourable mention. Um, that... That uh, particular honour goes to Rowan J. Aardvark, one of my favourite uh, listener names, um, who gave us, first you get the sugar, colon, the Judge Snyder cut. <laughs> Very good. Very good in this, time of, uh, in this time of Justice League. I appreciate that a whole lot. But uh, let's get to gold, silver and bronze and mm. um, a bit of a split decision for one point. We're going we're gonna, to... Mm. Not split the point, but we're going to give a point each to the following two people because their gags are a bit similar, but they're both good. Um, Philip Hawkins gave us the Candyman Ban. Oh, that's very... I like that. Well done. That's not bad. And uh, our pal Gilroyd Harahel um, shortened it down a little bit and just gave us Candy Ban. It works. <laughs> they, they both work. So and they're but they're similar enough that I felt bad trying to give one a point and not the other. So I decided. Not gonna lie, hey. I do like I do like feels a little bit better because he went to the effort of doing the Candyman band. True. I don't know if he actually added like little music notes when he wrote it down. I did. He, <laughs> did you? Oh yeah, but I mean, it would have been nice if he did. But everyone hears the Candyman band. Uh, yes. But I'm a, but I'm a big fan of the horror movie Candyman. So also Candy Band is pretty good. Uh, two points. Two points to the aforementioned Josh Hedge. He got an honorable mention, but he also gets points. I don't know if that's unprecedented, uh, but uh, setting a new precedent. There we go. Um, Some of you may be familiar with the tense horror movie A Quiet Place. Josh took that and judged it and gave us a diet place. Wow, that's very good. It seems that this episode is good for horror movie theme puns. It is too. Or maybe I'm just, you know, <laughs> an easy mark for that kind of thing. Uh, three points, however, go to... Oh, wait, who is it? Shh. I'm trying to build anticipation. Anyway, <laughs> it's Luke McKay or Luke Mackay. Luke, Luke Mackay. I don't think Luke's had any points so far this year. So there you go. Okay. Three points well, off the go. There you are. Hmm. What did he have for us? He gave us Searching for Sugar Mom. Well done, sir. Well I like done, indeed. Worthy of the three points. I think so. Yeah. So nice work, uh, nice work, Luke. Uh, if you're so inclined, get on the um, on the Facebook group and say if it's either McKay or Mackay or, some, or something Nora, entirely different. Nora, let us know your last name. Is it Coca, Kosha? I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Coca. Yeah. Coca. So if, okay. If we, if we, if we, if we, 
Yeah, if it's if it's sugar free coca, let us know. If it's a uh, coca no uh, sugar, coca no sugar, that'd be appropriate for this episode. <laughs> So Josh's two points puts him up into fourth position alongside Nora now, both on five points. So top three are Mark Boston Burgess on six, Phil Hawkins now outright second on seven points, and Garoud still two points clear on nine points. Well done, yeah. Mr. Garoud. Alrighty, guys, it is now time for us to reach into that uh, that mailbox and pull out some of this. Jamal, is here. Ooh. Oh yeah, it's the mailbag time for Sweets and Sour Margarine. Plenty of questions coming through. Let's race through a few of them here. So Steve Roberts asks, asks Mr. Davis, what's mm. our favorite sweet? My, I'm not a big sweets man, but if I'm going to have sweets, I do love me profiteroles. Oh, so we're talking about desserts, are we? Oh, do you mean like, do you want to talk about lollies? For me, lollies, like chocolates. I mean, I, Easter is maybe- coming up this weekend. By the way, happy Easter, everybody. All our patrons, happy Easter. And to all of our regular listeners, Easter would have been last weekend. Hope you all had a fantastic Easter spent, hopefully with family. If not, hope you're able to Zoom your family or just enjoyed it the way you please. Um, yes, but my favorite chocolate sweet is twirl. I love mm-hmm. twirls. I am, uh, look, I'm a Snickers man from uh, from way, way back. However, Snicker, okay. uh, I've, I've, I've big up Kit Kat. On uh, on episodes in the past, and those guys are sort of kicking goals with their variations recently. I not long ago had um, one called Kit Kat Caramel Crisp, I believe it's called. Uh, they've got this little range of ice cream inspired flavors, and Caramel Crisp was just delicious. They also did a minty kind of one that I found just delightful. So uh, look, Kit Kat is is rising in my estimation all the time. I always thought it was, you know, just the the regular ass. Plain old old school Kit Kat is fine. It's chocolate. What do you, you know? I mean, no one's going to complain. But yeah, they're recently starting to get a little inventive with their um, with their innards and also their outer shell. And uh, I, for one, am all for it. So yeah, props to Kit Kat. If we're talking about desserts, though, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I had a few years ago, and I've I don't think I've ever had it again since because if I start to have it more often, I'll have it much more often. It was banoffee pie. Have you ever had banoffee pie, Danda? I've never even heard of it. What is it? Banoffee pie. It's like a banana sort of banana toffee kind of deal. Banana toffee oh, pie. Oh, I had it one night and I was just like, holy shit. I think I just I think this is my thing. I think banoffee pie look, is my thing. You look so excited. <laughs> it's so it was so good. Maybe now maybe it was just this particular one. But uh I remember ooh. my mum for my twenty first birthday got me a big, massive giant Mars bar cake. Oh man, it was it oh. good. <laughs> it was so delicious. Yeah. Anyway, so that's uh, that's your answer there, Mr. Steve Roberts. Next question here from uh, Thalia Enriquez. Uh, or is it Thalia? Says, Who knows? I think it's Thalia. <laughs> she, they say, uh, she says, how would you adapt to a complete ban of artificial sugar? Well, see, oh. I don't really eat that much sugar anymore. I've, that's one of the things I did. I sort of cut out as much sugar as I could because I was eating too much, too many lollies, Ice cream for dessert every night, like low-fat ice cream, but still full of sugar. I was having Nutri-Grain for breakfast, just lots of extra sugars in there. I've now swapped to oatmeal for dessert. I'll have uh, a tub of the non-fat, no-sugar yogurt, which still tastes delicious. Um, So things like that. I could happily live without sugar, I think. My answer is with a bullet. (laughs) That's how I'd adapt. (laughs) No, no. I'd... We can't. We can't all have a beach body like Dando's. Look, if you're a, if you're a patron, beach body, you, mate. You, I do not have a beach body. If you see how pale I am, <laughs> well, yeah. But I mean, you've got those well. Def- you've got abs, dude. You've got abs. <laughs> yeah, still. I got flaps. Um, <laughs> but 
uh, patrons will have seen that, you know, Dando's sort of putting up what, what are the kids, I believe, call thirst traps. Um, he's putting up... Um, <laughs> what? It's pictures, it's pictures of yourself when you look hot. <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> you, you're clearly thirsty for attention. So, you know, oh, okay. I'm, I'm not saying that's you, but that's the sort of the common vernacular. Apparently, yeah. this, this might just be with an un, having an onion on my belt. And sort of like, apparently, the kids call it thirst traps. <laughs> do, you think, do you think if you ate well for a month and lost a bit of weight, you would be wanting to show it off? Dude, I've lost like three kilos recently. I mean, you can't tell. Oh, good. But um, well, I don't. Well, I don't see you often enough to be able to see the difference. You know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got a lot to lose in all honesty. But uh, because, quite frankly, I'm a big fan of um, eating and not exercise. But uh, <laughs> 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 but well, I've decided. Wait, wait. So we were supposed to be going out for dinner tonight. No, we didn't. And Nicola and I almost made a decision because we've got chicken here. We're like, we're going to cook up a healthy stir fry. And we're like, we could just go to the drive through palmy place. And we're like, no, no, bad dando. <laughs> Be good, have the stir fry, have the stir fry. Um, look, no, I actually, like you, I mean, I've been trying to certainly, you know, have less sugar. I, don't, I've, I haven't had sugar in my coffee for a good maybe 10 years or so. Um, okay. And of course... <laughs> I've I've counted that with having sugar in just about everything else, including like steak. <laughs> um, so, um, but but I am trying to sort of have less sugar. But it's an insidious uh, little element that sort of finds its way into so many things. So yeah, yes. you've got to be very very careful about uh, what you put into your body. And um, right. yeah, so look, I'm I'm trying hard to adapt to a, a less sugar. Shall we say no sugar? Uh, I think you've got to give yourself give yourself a little bit. Just a little bit, yeah. I mean, mm. I do have, I do love my Pepsi Max, which is artificial sweetener. So that's similar. Yeah. I, I think I, I could live with that Pepsi Max eventually, but mm-hmm. I would struggle. It's kind of like I never thought I'd be able to live without pork and bacon and whatnot, but I do now. I don't even think about it, you know, just anyway. Uh, but we're running low on time, so we better wrap up the mailbag for this week. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, we're going to be reviewing an episode called Jaws Wide Shut, which had received critical acclaim written by the one and only Matt Salmon. So I'm really looking forward to going back and revisiting that one. I hope you enjoyed our review of Sweets and Sour Marge, uh, an episode that by no means terrible, but just a few little tweaks here and there would have made it a little bit better. Um, but it was still, I uh, still enjoyed watching it. It was still fun. A good outing by Carolyn Omine. Don't forget, guys, rate and review us in the iTunes store. Give us five stars. Leave a quick little review. It takes you a couple of moments, and I do read all of the reviews, and I do appreciate everyone who's taken the time to do so recently. Follow us on Twitter, at FourFingerPod, at FourFingerDiscount on Instagram. Also, check us out on Facebook. And don't forget, if you're watching this on YouTube and you haven't hit that subscribe button yet, please do so. Also, thumbs up the video. And if you're listening to this on podcast and you want to watch us do the podcast, just go to YouTube, youtube.com slash TV, and you can watch Guy myself talking about all things Simpsons and watch how happy he is when he's talking about... What's that pie, Mr. Davis? What was it? Banoffee pie. Banoffee pie. Yes, you can see the sheer glee in his face, the twinkle in his eye. <laughs> okay, as, as I've said in the past about you know putting stuff online, I'm going to find a dope recipe for banoffee pie and uh, share it with our, with our friends on Facebook. I can't wait. I cannot wait at all. But thank you guys once again for listening to our review of Sweets and Sour Marge. Hope you enjoyed it. Next week, jaws wired shut. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for our listeners and viewers? Good times. Shh.